You're listening to Coffee Notes Podcast with Dr. Jill and Emily P. Hey, Em. Good to see you. Well, I can see you. Um, It's what? It feels like it's been ages since we've had a chat, but it's only been a week. Right. I just feel like so much has happened. Like our our kids, we're in Queensland. They went off to school today. Mm. Yeah, it is a bit. I was watching all the little preppies go in as well and my my heart broke, especially after, we you know, doing the um, the podcast with Lodi. I was thinking of her today, so. Yes, that's right, yes. Um, our podcast, was, that was, was that last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, Lodi had, we interviewed Lodi. That was beautiful. Did you get your first day photo? Uh, we did, yeah. Yes. I remember the last minute. That's fine. <laughs> least you got them <laughs> exactly exactly all is well so I am looking forward to um picking him up this afternoon and hearing about his day as you would be absolutely Did you... <laughs> still got that to look forward to huh Brooke <laughs> yeah. talking my kids of... aren't quite old enough yet <laughs> <laughs> talking of uh children they are very very precious and uh, before we sort of keep talking, I do want to just share a, a triggered to- um, warning because we are talking about an important topic today. And so the content featured in this episode may cause distress. So please visit our Insta page. We will put some support service contact details there. So if it's brought up anything for you, uh, you'll be able to have some contacts there so you can be supported because our babies are precious and the topic today miscarriage is a personal one it's a sensitive topic but we need to talk about it losing a child at any stage of life is uh devastating and so today we're going to be talking about uh, miscarriage and the impact it has on a person and family and and i know this is a topic close to your heart and yeah. Uh, and I sometimes I think miscarriage is not well understood mm. and it's, it can be it is a sensitive topic but it can also be a taboo topic and this is why I think it's so important that we cover this topic on Coffee Notes podcast today mm, absolutely so I'll share a little bit around my story um, before we introduce our special guest so I, um, myself and my ex-husband decided um, that we wanted to have a baby. So um, we planned a pregnancy and I fell pregnant very, very quickly. And uh, it had the most amazing, beautiful pregnancy. Everything seemed perfect um, until we got to our 19 week scan. And um, I'd been feeling the baby move that whole week. Um, The scan was on a Friday, I was super excited. Um, And then we went into the sonographer's room and her face just fell. And I looked at her and I was like, what's going on? And she said, I'm really sorry, but the baby's hasn't made it. And I was like, pardon? Like I was just in shock. Like everything had just been absolutely perfect like I was blown away I was super healthy um I just could not actually fathom that this was the reality 
And I think, um, so, you know, that was incredibly traumatic. We had to go through the actual birth um, and, and the, and in a way, had the baby been, had lived another week, it would have actually been classed as a stillbirth, which in that sense, it's actually taken more seriously because the birth is then registered. It's, um, and you, you know, things like maternity leave, all of those sorts of things actually come into play. You're given time to actually grieve. So I basically, um, after coming out of hospital, um, I had two weeks off work and then was expected to go pretty much straight back into my corporate job, which was not nearly enough time um, to really overcome what I'd just been through. And um, that was really, really hard. And yeah, so I, I was determined as well. So we'd had one session of counselling in the hospital. That was it. I'd done, I did nothing else. Um, my ex um, had, was were there with me with the counsellor. Uh, he was given no further support. So really we were just sort of there for each other. Um, we did have a dear friend reach out who'd gone through a similar circumstance and she was really good for Aaron. Um, not so much for me. I found talking to her really triggering at that point. I couldn't really go, go through her stuff as well as my own. So it was really, really hard and also very lonely because people didn't really know how to react or what to say. I got a lot of, oh, everything happens for a late reason. Oh, don't worry, well, at least you can fall pregnant. Lots of beautiful sentiment behind those words, but not exactly uh, the most empathetic or um, things you really want to hear when you've just gone through something like that. Um, and then, you know, fortunately, three months later, fell pregnant very quickly, had my beautiful rainbow baby, Miles. My pregnancy was jam-packed, full of anxiety, had a horrible time. Um, that in itself was trauma um, and then had a horrible um, birth. But fortunately, we both ended up healthy and, you know, he's a beautiful, thriving seven-year-old boy now. But, you know, all going through all of that. And then when he was around four, we decided to try again for another baby. And um, unfortunately, I lost that baby at 10 weeks. And then, um, yeah, that pregnant, that, that miscarriage... I didn't even really think I grieved it properly until, you know, years later, um, nor really dealt with it because 10 weeks, it's not all that, it's not that significant. There's that old rule that you don't tell anyone you're pregnant until you're 12 weeks because miscarriage is so common. Um, and yeah, you just, it's just not talked about because it is so taboo and it makes people feel really uncomfortable because they don't know what to say. They're not the ones going through it unless you've been through it. You really don't know what that grief is like. So that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and thank you for so much for sharing it because it, it is a difficult one, but you've brought up some really good points that, you know, the, there's also the men in, involved father that what support systems are in place for that and the whole um, don't talk about it issue as well and and I understand you know people don't know what to say so hopefully we can shed some light on these issues in our conversation today 
Uh, and today we are talking with a beautiful mama about uh, her lived experience with miscarriage as well. Now, Brooke is a 30-year-old wife and mum of two from Melbourne. Uh, she's passionate about her health and fitness, and she always tries, strives to be the best version of herself while also speaking her truth. Thank you so much, Brooke, for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I just want to thank you for jumping on and being so brave because it is a difficult topic. Um, so as we go through these questions, if you need to, you know, have a break or have a breather, just please just let me know because it is a really sensitive topic. And I really admire you and honour you for bringing this topic up with us as well because, you know, obviously it's something quite close to my heart as well. So I understand. Yeah, yeah um, and I thank you for sharing your experience as well. Oh, thank you. No, that's really, really appreciate that. Um, so would you be a, would you be willing to just share your journey or just an aspect of your journey with your with your miscarriage? Yeah, for sure. Um, basically, my hubby and myself had a sort of similar um, experience to you. However, um, ours wasn't necessarily a planned, um, pregnancy as such we had a little bit of a surprise um, which we found out actually quite early on and um, what's actually really hard about you know this whole idea of you know keep it to yourself until that 12-week mark where everything's meant to be okay is it's actually really hard to try and keep that sort of secret in because it is meant to be this most amazing experience and you know you want to be sharing that with others so you know finding out so early on we just basically couldn't keep the secret in and so we sort of started telling you know our family members and a clo uh, some close friends and things like that um just because we were so excited and we wanted to share that with people and um yeah we sort of you know, it, this was after a, a couple of ultrasounds, everything A-OK, -okay, all good. You know, we'd named it Peanut at that point because it looked like a peanut, basically. And um, we're really happy. We're telling lots of people and everything like that. And then, you know, around that sort of 13-week mark, I got a couple of spots of blood. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of freaking out going, OK, I need to see the doctor straight away. Went in, saw the doctor. She's like, you know, that can happen at times it's all okay everything's all good we did one of those little um oh, I can't remember what they're called but the little scans to try and hear the heartbeat she said that we couldn't hear it at the time but she was like no not to worry you know it could be a case of the baby's in the wrong position or something like that we'll send you over for an ultrasound and we'll go get an ultrasound so that same day we went across, we got an ultrasound and we were sitting there holding each other's hands going, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And um, the ultrasound uh, person basically excused himself from the room. So that just sent us on this tailspin going, oh my gosh, what's, what's wrong? What's happening? This is our first experience. I don't know whether this is meant to happen or not. And that sort of thing. And then he came back in and basically said, look, I've spoken to the doctor in charge and basically there's there's no life there anymore. There's no 
signs of movement there hasn't been any signs of growth and that sort of thing and oh I I just lost it I burst into tears I just couldn't believe it and yeah it was just the most horrible moment basically where we just didn't think that this was going to happen or really I didn't really think about this at all happening and yeah we then got sent back to the doctors and yeah we're waiting in the waiting room for ages and then they're like you know we need to confirm with the your regular doctor and that sort of thing and just even that experience of just being sent to and fro to and fro and that was kind of it and then all of a sudden we just got sent on our merry way just for you know to let my body to kind of do it all itself really so yeah it wasn't exactly the nicest experience of you know your first pregnancy or a pregnancy at all really yeah I can understand that that sounds like you know quite an ordeal to have gone through yeah and 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 for yourself what would you say was the hardest thing to come to terms with going through all of that Oh, look, there's there's probably a lot of things that I found really hard, like um, just in terms of how attached you get to, you know, this baby, you know, the start of a baby inside you. You know, you even if you're not really talking to people about it, you're thinking about, oh, you know, could it be a girl? Could it be a boy? You know, what names have you got? And that sort of thing. And you start getting excited about, you know, what's life going to be like once you have a baby. And um, then also like when you do experience something like a miscarriage, just seeing other people that have babies is hard in itself as well. Like we would go out for a walk in the street and we would see, you know, a stroller, you know, someone with a stroller and we'd be like, oh, you know, that could be us. That could have been us, you know. Mm. Um, And then also the actual miscarriage, for me, um, it took a really long time because, you know, I sort of saw it as my body was naturally um, trying to, uh, uh, I don't know really the polite way to put it, but it's trying to get rid of, the pregnancy as such and so I was sort of like you know well my body's trying to do it naturally so I'll just let it do it naturally because there are different options that you can choose which we did discuss with our doctor that you can either um, have some sort of I don't know whether it was a hormone or something I've, I've sort of forgotten now but it sort of sped up the process or you could go into hospital and get what they call a curette, which mm-hmm. just sounded absolutely horrible to me because I was just like, it just, just the word curette was like a trigger for me. And I was just like, no way am I doing that. You know, I'm just going to do it naturally. But anyway, so my body was trying to do it. I ended up getting an infection and then I had to go for the curette anyway. So it was such a long process with pain and everything like that, that I felt like I couldn't grieve. So that was really, really hard for me. So, 
yeah, they're probably the really hard parts I can think of. Yeah. And then also, as you said before, um, if you do fall pregnant again, how anxious you get because you sort of like, you know, if you don't experience um, morning sickness or you don't have movements of the baby yet, you get so anxious because you're like, how do I know everything's okay? Mm. How like, you know, I can't feel anything yet. I'm not feeling sick. How do I know everything's okay? So I ended up organising some extra ultrasounds for my next pregnancies because I was just so concerned and I was just like, if I need to pay some money to get another ultrasound so I feel a little bit of peace of mind, then I'm just going to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did exactly the same. I was yeah. pretty much got ultrasounds once a month and was in my doctor's office once a week. Yes. Um, and also would get um, go to the hospital and get them to measure the heartbeat. So I'd use the Doppler and then they'd also put the strap across yeah, the belly. Doppler. Just That's to what it's called. Everything was fine. But, yeah, so yes, I completely relate to that. And I just really thank you and honour you for sharing that because I know how hard that is. And yes. Um, especially the fact that, you know, um, you will, I mean, I know for myself, I felt that I couldn't trust my body anymore um, mm. to just do what it's supposed to, because, you know, I felt like I'd failed myself. So I completely um, really, really honor you for, for, for sharing all of that. And um, how did you find people's reactions towards you? Did they make it harder or easier? Um in some respects harder and in some respects easier. Like I definitely had like an amazing bunch of friends and family that were checking up on me all the time. I had, you know, girlfriends dropping off little care baskets with, you know, self-care things like a mud mask and a bath bomb and stuff like that, you know. And, um, yeah, like I definitely felt a lot of support um but at like sometimes that was kind of triggering but I would have rather had them contacting me than not have any contact from people at all like you're better off saying something and that being a little bit triggering for the person than just not saying anything at all I think yeah absolutely yeah, I definitely understand that. So yeah, at my, my first miscarriage, I had an abundance of people. And then my second one, basically nothing. Wow. Um, so, um, but I wasn't very out and out with my pregnancy yet because mm. it was so nerve wracking. But, um, you know, the people who did know would talk to me, but, you know, it was nowhere near what happened at 19 weeks. So I, mm. yeah, I completely get that. And um what um, do you believe is the best approach to comfort someone who has gone through a miscarriage? Well, I definitely think, you know, um, contacting someone rather than not contacting someone is definitely the best approach. Yeah. It's obviously going to be different for different people. But um, one of the things that actually stood out for me was a girlfriend actually dropped off a plant like it was one to to plant yourself so it was sort of like an in memory of mm -hmm. um which I thought I must admit I'd never ended up planting the plant but it is something that stuck in my mind as a good offering you know something that is meaningful you know 
receiving a text message from someone without an expectation of a reply is I think always the best option and like one of the things that definitely helped me was um, I actually had a a pregnancy journal um, which I was writing in you know week by week everything that was changing and everything like that and it was such a trigger when the miscarriage ended up happening Mm -hmm. but it ended up being really good in the end because you know once I sort of like a bit of time went by I actually picked it up and I wrote a goodbye message which I found was really helpful and sort of gave me that little bit of closure and the last thing was someone sent me like this little poem and I've forgotten what exactly the words were, but it basically said um, the spirit of the baby lives on, but it's just choosing a stronger body to be in, to come into this world or something like that. And that was something that I like to recite to myself over and over again. So, you know, you could reach out to a friend that, you know, that's gone through something like this and, like even just sending them little poems or something like that um, could be helpful to them. It could be something that resonates with them um, without that expectation of a reply. Like don't get offended if someone doesn't reply is the main thing for people. Yeah. Okay. I really love that. It's really good. Um, How was your partner through all of this? Was he offered any support? Um, Yeah. To be honest, I definitely think the males don't get enough support. Um, I think it's because, you know, the focus is so on the female because it's, you know, what their body's going through and everything like that. But, you know, when you're a partner, you, you basically have to watch that person in so much pain and not be able to take anything away from them. It's like, when you do have a child and then they're in pain, you just want to take that pain away from them so badly, but you just can't like, Mm. that must be so hard for them. Mm. And so, you know, like he definitely had, you know, friends and family that reached out and everything like that. But I definitely think more support needs to be had had for men. Yeah. I completely. Or partners, you know, could be, you know, yeah. Um, I thank you for highlighting that. And I, I 100% agree because the men might not be going through all the bodily changes that we are, but they're still in love with mm. the process and with that little human that's growing inside of you. They're still, they still have that connection. Um, it's still part of them. Mm. So, you know, um, to not have that support system in place for men. And I, I, I truly believe there almost needs to be separate support for men and women um, because so that they can be of better support for their women and also to have that, that process to grieve and it not being so female-centred. I mean, that's just uh, my view on that. So, yeah. Totally, yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, so... What are the supports um, available to women and men going through miscarriage? Well, I definitely think that, you know, there's always, you know, your friends and family, they're going to be, you know, whoever your inner circle is, is obviously going to know you best. But sometimes it is good to speak to someone that you're not, you know, extremely connected to and stuff like that. So 
what I found helpful was there are some support groups on Facebook um, and especially like if you do choose to have, you know, go to have another baby later on, you know, there are support groups for, you know, your rainbow babies and things like that. So going through another pregnancy can be quite stressful when you've gone through something like this beforehand. So I definitely think stuff like that definitely helped me. Obviously still speaking to your doctor. Um, there are some other ones like um, the pink elephant support um, where you can just call up and they speak directly about miscarriage and things like that. Then you've got, you know, your lifeline and your beyond blue, which are um, great choices as well. And one that I'm a big advocate for is actually seeing a psychologist. Um, That's something that I didn't do straight after my miscarriage. I think because we were kind of focused on um, potentially trying for another baby um, quite quickly once I'd recovered and and all of that. Um, But it is something that I have done since then and I really value talking to someone because, you know, we're not, we don't have all the tools to be able to get through grief and everything that goes on in life. So definitely speaking to someone who can give you those tools or can help you with those tools is definitely, yeah, I'm just a massive advocate for that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I know um, for us, when uh, we lost our first baby, um, we actually had, um, so we were in the private system here in Queensland. So you're in Victoria as well. So I think I haven't heard of Pink Elephant, but I believe there's a, and um, they may still be in operation. Um, they're called SANS. Uh, so they, I think they're the Queensland equivalent. Um, the, we were, we went private. So we had private health and we, when we were in the hospital, we actually had a grief counsellor come to see us. I think I mentioned that in my story. Mm. Um, but afterwards, it was sort of, here's some pamphlets. Mm. Uh, off you go. <laughs> yes. You know, this is my card if you want to contact me and pay, mm-hmm. you know, $110 a session, which is fine, um, but it's not covered under your private health anymore. It's only when you're in hospitals. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that possibly there could be more support um in in that space or you know encouraged to find more support definitely yes Uh, especially for that specific issue yeah I was actually in the public system obviously in Victoria and um we were offered you know some sessions at the time but for me personally I think at the time wasn't probably the good time to bring it up it was like you know whether the public system should have something like a phone call in, you know, a couple of weeks time or something like that, mm-hmm. where they do offer that again, I think would have been a better approach for me. Um, yeah. Cause we, we sort of got, you know, all those pamphlets and everything like that, but in terms of picking them up later on down the track, I didn't really do that. No. I think because you think oh, I'm just I'll be fine I've gotten over it now I'm gonna have yes. baby. so yeah I can completely relate and also while you're in it you're processing and and I mean I know for myself um I'd been given because I had to actually go through a birth um and I'd been given a lot of pain medication um 
and sleeping tablets and mm. imagine my state of mind and my head was incredibly foggy. I was high as a kite, actually. <laughs> um, so I, I no, couldn't laugh at that. <laughs> really not a good time to be yes. trying to go through a counselling session. So I completely agree that it needs to sort of be in the weeks after that removes yes. looked after in that space. But yeah, so yes, because I got the infection and ended up in hospital and all of that sort of thing. I was on, you know, pain medication and everything like that, same as you. So I was quite foggy and then I did have to go back to work, you know, after not not very long. I think it was less than a week before I was actually back at work. Um, so, yeah, I was just foggy. That's a good way to put it. And I guess that's the other thing is where's the financial support uh, mm. when, when that kind of goes because obviously I had sick pay. Um, which I pretty much used up and then they they allowed me to use some of my annual leave but as you know there was nothing else there was no maternity leave or any support um, Mm. for that kind of grief so um, that's certainly something that could potentially change (laughs) yes Um, yeah so is there anything else that you would like to add um no I think we've um pretty much covered anything I like I guess I just want to say you know there are so many people that are obviously going through something like this or has been through something like this without you even knowing like when I went through the miscarriage it was actually quite public because we had told quite a number of people which in a way was really good because we had a lot of supports and in a way, it wasn't so good because it was triggering to have conversations like that over and over again. But, you know, I was pretty, I felt almost angry at times when I was told by so many different people that they'd gone through it and nobody knew about it. Mm. And it's sort of like, you know, at least reach out to someone, like find that person or those couple of people or your inner circle to reach out and have a conversation with, or me, I'm an open book, you know, you can, anyone going through this or has been through this, I'm happy if you reach out to me and have a conversation about it. If you experience a similar situation or a dissimilar situation, I don't mind. I'm happy to have a conversation about it. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's so common, yet we don't talk about it so I am exactly. just so glad we had this opportunity today to discuss miscarriage and thank you to you both especially for sharing your journey journey of miscarriage because I know it is hard to talk about yes so for if, sure. if people want to follow what you do Brooke where can they find you oh, well you can contact me on my personal um instagram or i do have like a bit of a health and fitness instagram um called the almost fearless wanderer um otherwise i'm brooke stephanie with three o's because brooke stephanie was gone um yeah so i'm sure you guys will tag me in a post we will. so i'm happy for people to give me a follow um write to me in my dms i'm happy to have a conversation i'll even have a chat to you on the phone if you like or a zoom yeah perfect whatever you like and today you you know you've both shared some great tips to 
comfort someone who is experiencing miscarriage, you have shared some tips for closure and, you know, for example, journaling and who, who to talk to and support services, which we will pop in our Instagram posts so that um, they're all in one place. So if this episode has brought up some emotions for you and you require support, we will have those listed on our Instagram page as well. Uh, and Brooke and I uh, would like to dedicate this episode today to all the babies we've lost too early. Thank you so much, Brooke, for joining Anne and me today. It was wonderful to have you uh, and to speak with you. Um, Em, did you have anything else you would like to? No, share? I just I just really want to, you know, thank and honor Brooke yeah. for sharing yeah. such a difficult topic. I mean, it shouldn't be difficult, but you know, it is. And I think the more that we're able to share our stories, um, the the more mamas will feel that and, and dads will feel that it's okay um, and that, you know, that they're, they're not alone in this. Totally. Beautiful. Well, thank you everyone who's been listening to Copy Notes podcast today. It's been a very special one and we look forward to catching you next week uh, when our next episode comes out on Monday. Take care. Have a great week.